Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Gabe from Big Cat Rescue. Ooh. We've got a great story for you today. As we join in to round 18, we're going to introduce the boys from The Hop, and they're going to tell us all about beer, and we're going to f- give some to the tigers. That sounds like a great idea. So join us after this. much carol that was great wow thanks carol um hashtag she killed her husband uh welcome to the hop (laughs) gabe and steven everybody in here uh for another episode of drinking we've made it uh to mckeller mckeller michael brewing yes yes uh mckeller is has always been kind of a a mythical mystery to me i don't know why it's Mm -hmm. like this brewery i've always known was there i know about them uh but i'm sort of like yeah it's company that they have weird labels their name is never on the can like they're i think they're in san diego but i don't really know well we're gonna we're gonna dispel all of those mysteries for you today i i felt the same way this was always one of those breweries that i knew about but didn't know actually about and now learning all i learned i i just have two words holy shit i, yeah. I mean wow they uh, okay Damn. they have there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here uh in an in international brewing operation uh that well we'll we'll get into it, it just we're gonna just break it down absolute, for you just endeavor after endeavor they've they've got their foot in so many pools it's it's really crazy to see it's really awesome to see we're gonna hit on all the interesting parts so without further ado should we just dive into some news and no i think we should dive into what's going on in the world tell me all right what's happening let's do it what's the buzz hey guys what's the hot gossip fest yay oh shit German officials today have officially announced the cancellation of good old Oktoberfest due to all this COVID-19 bullcrap. It hurts. It hurts a lot. But, you know, we all kind of saw it coming, as with other big named events. Uh, The festival was originally slated for September 19th through October 4th, usually drawing in, I did not know this number ahead of time, drawing in over 6 million people to Munich. I had friends while we were studying abroad in college go to Oktoberfest. They sent me pictures. I was jealous to say the least. So this is a one that definitely hurts, but you know, for safety reasons and whatnot. The one thing I do love about the way uh, they're handling this is they've all been quoted saying, you know, you can't push this back or reschedule an event like this as big as it is. So they're basically saying, you know, we're either going to go for it or we're not going to go for it at all. Uh, so, uh, We'll have to save all the later hosens and the uh, this the glassware for uh, for next year. Unfortunately, yeah, I kind of love that too. Like, I mean, it sucks to that Oktoberfest had to be canceled, but I mean, I feel like we've all seen it coming. But it's just funny to yeah. me because they only canceled events as of this moment in Germany through August thirty first, and this was scheduled to start on September nineteenth. So it could, in theory, happen. But they're just like, yeah, we can't plan this right, and so we're not yeah. going to do it at all. Which we're just gonna can it because you know you can't <laughs> hold Oktoberfest down. Exactly. I mean, what would you rather do? Have no Oktoberfest or have one that's like only semi good? Like, I'd rather go yeah. to the good one and just wait. Well, hopefully they'll be back next year. Um, but you can still drink Oktoberfest beer and eat pretzels. And if you want to put on some Lederhosen in your house, ain't Dance no one gonna be. stop you. Send us a photo. We'll throw you up on the gram. We will put you on our story, right? That's the thing that we could do. Moving on. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so we want to talk about some of the things that we've seen breweries doing um, in uh, efforts to help with COVID relief. Uh, we've seen a few things from um, different parts of the country. Uh, Left Hand Brewing featured on our show uh, several rounds back. They have partnered with the Colorado's Bre- Colorado Brewers Guild 
to launch the Colorado Strong Fund. Uh, this will support Colorado brewers and suppliers while also raising funds for healthcare, hospitality, and service industry workers. Uh, this is cool. What they're doing is um, this is similar to what we saw uh, with Sierra Nevada doing with regard to campfire reliefs. Yes. Um, they're yes, gr- yes. they're brewing a beer called the Colorado Strong Pale Ale. This recipe has been developed by Left Hand Brewing in association with a local home brewer in Colorado. Um, all using all Colorado local ingredients, everything's locally sourced. They're sending the recipe out to any participating breweries, and they're also sending the ingredients along. So the breweries will not need to worry about uh, paying for the ingredients, uh, but the suppliers that supply the ingredients will still get the the relief that they need through through left hand and and this fund purchasing the ingredients, right? And then uh, all proceeds of the beer go towards uh, helping um, healthcare workers, uh, those working in the service industry, all of that uh, that stuff. This is a, a similar uh, effort to one going on in New York that other half put together called All Together. So basically all these breweries are coming together. They're all brewing their version of the same beer. Um, and they're, and then all proceeds of that beer go to help with COVID relief. Have we had an episode where we haven't talked about how cool Colorado is? Because I don't think we have. <laughs> Colorado is just, <clears throat> they're where it's at for beer, man. Apparently. The Brewers Association has partnered with Bottle Share to launch a craft brewery relief fund called Believe in Beer. Uh, this is open for breweries and guilds from across the country to apply for uh, financial assistance if they need it, as many do. Um, this is for operational expenses, payroll, rent, utilities, things like that. Uh, this um, The applications are being accepted through the end of the American Craft Beer Week, which is on May 17th. Uh, and if you want to support your uh, local breweries and uh, craft breweries in general, um, you can contribute to the fund uh, through their GoFundMe page. Again, it's called uh, Believe in Beer. Um, and then the breweries can uh, apply for, for relief and pl- apply for a grant through thebottleshare.org. Um, so that's super helpful, something that the, the National Brewers Association is doing. Uh, and then uh, on the East Coast, we have right. Castle Island Brewing. Uh, releasing their elbow bumps and foot taps. So this is a uh, a beer that they're releasing um, as a follow up to their handshakes and high fives, which they released earlier this year. Whoops, can't do that those things anymore. But you can do elbow bumps and foot taps. Uh, so wow. proceeds from the sale of this beer will go towards the restaurant Strong Fund, which benefits hospitality workers. Um, they expect to raise between that and they are, they're also participating in what I mentioned earlier, which is other half's altogether effort. So between those two beers, <coughs> Castle Island expects to raise more than $5,000 for uh, the restaurant Strong Fund between the two beers. So uh, they're doing their part to um, to offer relief as well. So, you know, it's we, we are going to get on these mics week after week, I feel like, and talk about some things being canceled, you know, Oktoberfest being canceled, breweries having to deal with uh, coronavirus relief in any way that they can, but it's nice to see ways that our industry, this industry, can uh, can do their part to give back as well, even, even while they hurt. Moving right along, so, yeah, we're all at home and we're all Zooming and whatnot. Um, why not Zoom and beer at the same time? The New York State Brewers Association is hosting its first ever virtual craft beer tasting experience. Yeah, it's finally here. We all saw it coming in one way or another. I mean, we're, what are we going to do, sit home alone and drink? No, we're going to drink over FaceTime with our friends. Uh, the New York Association is uh, it's being presented by Growler Works. It's going to be held on Saturday, May 2nd. Online tasting experience is basically featuring four 90-minute tasting sessions, each one highlighting a different New York State brewery. And it sounds really awesome. Tickets are $65 a session, but the sessions are really awesome. You get up to 64 ounces of beer. You'll basically participate in an exclusive Zoom call with the brewers and owners of the session of the sessions delegating uh, the breweries. So from session one, 12 to 1.30 p.m., single cup beer smiths, Session 2, 2.30 to 4, Lake Placid Pub and Brewery and Big Sly Brewery and Public House. Session 3, 5 to 6.30, Industrial Arts Brewing. And from 7.30 to 9, Session 4 is Prison City Pub and Brewery. I love this. Uh, I feel like they're they're trying to replicate the experience of going to a brewery, being able to talk exactly. to the master, talk to, you know, like it's 
being able to brewery that's, hop. That's what they're trying. That's to That's the coolest thing is they have the uh, the brew master in there as well, like yeah. talking to you about and whatnot and sharing the beer with you. Um, yeah, just another way for us all to interact with each other and uh, to raise a cold one while we do it. And some really awesome breweries. I, I feel like you're going to start seeing virtual beer fest, virtual things like that happening. I mean, we've been talking about one coming up in LA where they're they're shipping you the beers and you go online to a virtual session for two hours and you can go through guided tastings. But this is something, you know, obviously everyone's trying to figure out how to deal with working at home and and doing having a life at home. And this is something we're starting to see creep in now. You're going to see it more and more. So be on the lookout. Before you know it, it's just going to be computers just rolling around in the streets and with us FaceTiming and it's... Ugh. Uh, yeah. Finally, Thanks. anyway. Finally, it wouldn't I, I feel like it wouldn't be an episode of the podcast at this point if we didn't talk about hard seltzer. So if you'll just indulge me for a minute. What? I'd like to ask oh God. <laughs> which pandemic do you think is spreading faster? COVID nineteen or hard seltzer? COVID nineteen. <laughs> I, I would like to see your data on that because I'm I'm not sure. sure. <laughs> uh, listen, Boston Beer Company, they own Truly Hard Seltzer, and they are having a hard time keeping up with demand for their product. So basically, they thought, oh, like, we'll get ahead of everything. We'll, like, we'll really stock up for the summer, so we're good to for go. The su- yeah, for the summer. And then coronavirus hit, and then they had to sell all... So they had what they needed to sell all of that, but like sales of hard seltzer increased even more, uh, and they they now are struggling to keep up with that, even in the face of these newcomers to the market with Budweiser and Corona and these other companies releasing their own hard seltzer, truly is the number two hard seltzer on the market right now, and they're having trouble wow. keeping up with demand. Um, is number one White Claw? I think it is, yeah. Just because I see it everywhere, I just assume. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. There's only, uh, there's only so many now, which is interesting, but yeah. They... um the company has added two new canning lines to help keep up with demand. They're reluctant to do so, but they will look at making an acquisition to meet the demand if they need to do it. Um, their major issue is canning. So it's kind of interesting because they've lost all this revenue in uh, terms of on-premise sales, kegs, you know, selling beer, things like that. But people are stocking up on the seltzer. People want to just, everyone's freaking out. They're like, I need, I need alcohol because I'll never be able to buy it again. So they just have, I, I just, can picture people in their homes opening like the door to their pantry and it's just f- stacked with seltzer like there's nothing people else are pantry loading man <sighs> listen must be nice must be nice hey steven yeah i believe you have a fun little toast to get us in the drinking mood is that okay. true or did i make that up it is true i do have one now i need to just give you a little context for the toast oh okay. god uh, well, it's the Irish song again. Now, here's the deal. It's the closest thing we had to what I needed. Here's the deal. McKellar Brewing comes out of Denmark, and I was just doing some reading about... Oh, God! You don't even know oh, where I'm going with God. this. I know exactly where we're going. No, this. you don't. <laughs> yes, okay, go ahead. McKellar Brewing is out of Denmark, and I was doing some reading about Viking drinking traditions. So I have an old-style Viking toast for you, but what I need you to know... Is that apparently it was Viking tradition to drink wine out of the emptied skull of nice. someone they had just killed. So Sweet. this toast is is a Viking poem written from the perspective of the guy whose head you're drinking out of. Awesome. Start not, nor deem my spirit fled. In me behold the only skull from which, unlike a living head, Whatever flows is never dull. Better to hold the sparkling grape than nurse the earthworm's slimy brood and circle in the goblet's shape the drink of gods than reptiles' food. Where once my wit perchance hath shone in aid of others let me shine and when, alas, our brains are gone what nobler substitute than wine? Skull new favorite toast absolutely that was great gold baby i thought you were gonna do hamlet oh no because you said denmark and you were like <laughs> listen hear me out denmark i was like oh he's gonna do like friggin two two solid flesh 
or some shit. And then no, better, better. We do not have the same beers at all. At all. Uh, but I'm going to start because you got to start last week. So Fine. So sit down and shut up. All right. As is I, he going with the flavor or is he going with the classic? So I'm going with the raspberry blush. The flavor. Number one. The raspberry blush is a Berliner style vice brewed with coffee and raspberries which drew me in immediately. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a, a nice, easy drinker. It's got an ABV of 4%. Um, on the SRM chart, okay, so it, it doesn't fit on the beer SRM chart. It is a, a nice, vibrant pink ruby color, uh, pretty mm. hazy. Um, wow. I would say it's a 6 or 7 on like the red wine chart, if you're looking at that. It looks like strawberry lemonade or something it looks like it, yeah it looks like juice that yeah. looks awesome uh beer advocate wow. gave it a 90 uh i'm drinking it out of a tiku glass just seemed appropriate it seemed fancy you know i love does my it glass. is it i can't tell uh but is it like super carbonated or do you see a lot of bubbles i did see a lot of bubbles when i first poured it they have dissipated pretty nicely i'm not seeing a whole lot of lacing i'm not seeing the head dissipated. Mm. Um, it's pretty much just left this like nice still sitting situation in the glass. So I think it's probably on the lower side of carbonated, if I had to guess. Cool. Um, but the okay. color is just really pretty. I'm telling you, you feel like you're drinking a wine cooler or something just looking at For it. For real, yeah. It's like blinding, but in a good way. Okay, so on the nose, obviously the first thing to hit you is raspberry. Um, I'm wondering if you're going to get any of that coffee in there. I, I, I'm i sure I, I have a feeling you're going to get coffee in the taste. You know, I do get the coffee a little bit. It's kind of like smelling like, have you ever had like a, a raspberry chocolate, like a milk chocolate with like raspberry filling or something? Kind of smells like that a little bit. Yeah. I'm getting some chocolate. Well, I'm getting... that that goes back to the, uh, the left-hand milk stout we had a couple episodes ago. Right. Um, I'm getting some... I'm getting a, an acidity in the smell, maybe like a lactid thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, raspberry, but also other mixed berries. Maybe a little bit of lemon, maybe. Mm. That is quite good. You know, okay, so the thing is, like, when you taste it... You sound it, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, a Berliner Weiss, it's, it's not my favorite style, and... Um, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm more of an IPA person than a sweet beer person or, but Mm -hmm. this, the thing is, yeah, you get the, you get the raspberry, the acidity is definitely there, but, and, and the sweet malts come through, but the tartness is kind of, kind of muted. Um, and the coffee is there for sure. And it balances it out. Like it, it, it really adds an earthiness to it. Um, it, I don't, I don't know how I would feel about like a fruity coffee taste. Mm. I mean, I'm sure I would like. It. I just I, I I'm I'm thinking about it, and it's like that's so interesting. That's kind of why I got it because I was like, that's crazy. But what the it, hell is this? Uh, it's yeah. worth a it's worth a sampling. But when you look at it, I mean, you're looking at it, and you go, okay, that's going to be a fruity beer. Yeah, and when you drink it, it is. But the coffee notes. Just balance it out. They give it, like I was saying, like an like an earthiness. They kind of take away from the overly tart thing. Um, it makes sense to me that this is a this is a favorite of the company. I mean, McKellar originally introduced this in uh, January two thousand seventeen. Um, it was originally called it's Fruit really Face, uh, and it was <laughs> it was a it was just a one time release. But it was so popular that it became part of their like regular lineup. Um, if you are someone who loves sours, you will probably like this, but it's not going to hit you in the face with sourness the way a goza might, the way um, maybe something barrel aged with 
like Brett Nomeisi's involved, that would be more mm. sour than this. This, the tartness is kind of muted. Um, the coffee just makes it a little bit more complex. Would you which... taste more of fruitiness or coffee? Or is it an mm. even balance? No, I mean fruitiness for sure. In the mouthfeel, like, oh, okay. you get the zing of a tart, like, um, a tart beer, but it's it's less sour than you would think. I mean, the, it leads with the fruit for sure. That's why I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. I think people who are sour people will like it. Um, but I think it opens up to a broader audience because if you're someone who doesn't like super sour, this one is a little bit more balanced than that. So it's mm-hmm. a nice, it's a nice take. Um, the company calls it uh, a stunning showcase of unique flavor combination. Moderate tartness met with vibrant raspberry jam and crisp carbonation. The coffee adds a complimentary cacao nib roast character that blends to finish akin to our favorite toaster pastries. Oh, pastry. There it is. a weird way to put that. What is it, like toaster strudel? (laughs) Nah, I'm into that. Well, hey, I mean, Denmark, right? I guess. Strudel, yeah. This beer is, this is the Pop-Tart of beers. Uh, no, oh, but it's, don't say that. <laughs> it's actually good though. I mean, if, if, um, if you're someone who would like the beer to be more coffee forward, this was interesting. According to some reviews I read, if you hold on to that can for a couple weeks, it brings out the coffee even more. Um, and it kind of mutes the tartness even more. So if you're someone who's into the more coffee side of things and you want a super coffee sour, hold on to hoard your can for a bit. This is good though. It's it's very true to McKellar's. You know, we'll get into to their philosophy and their brand. This is true to that. It's a it's a blending of styles that is not one that I usually um, see, and it's interesting. And it is a Berliner Weiss, but not one that's cloying. It doesn't overdo it with the wheat backbone. It's there to balance it out, but it is a good, well balanced beer that's interesting, complex, and worth a shot and definitely something that's worth sitting on in the nice 85 degree weather we got going on out here so wow it's a good no a good, good for summer you. option good for you yeah i was gonna ask is it like can can you see yourself at any point in the fall or winter maybe sipping this yeah i mean if i I wouldn't. I wouldn't reach for if it. If i had if this was the only beer i had <laughs> if i was in la and the fall was the summer then sure can I start drinking now? Yes. What do you have? Is that all right us? with you? What do you have? I've got the very, very exclusive limited edition. Um, this beer is called Ivan Ramen to Beru. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I apologize ahead of time. Uh, Ivan Ramen to Beru. It is a Pilsner, a German Keller, Keller beer style, which is a unique German beer style. Keller beers are unfiltered and unpasteurized lagers that date back to at least the Middle Ages. So the Viking toast is absolutely appropriate. Coming through. Um, another light, crisp drinking uh, beer. We were looking at a 5.3% uh, ABV. Um, couldn't find anything. I No IBUs. Uh, for the SRM chart, we're looking at between a 7 and a 9. Very uh, light yellow, not so much golden, but definitely like a light pale yellowish mm. color. Definitely see-through. Uh, you can see through the – I'm drinking out of a classic beer mug. It When I first poured it, nice fluffy head. Um, definitely went down a little bit. A uh, little bit of lacing side of the glass. Not so much on the nose. Okay, now I'm finally getting the banana. I've never smelled the banana in any of the other beers we're drinking. We've drank in. Um, mm. I know in past rounds you've smelled it more than I have, but now I'm finally getting that uh, flavor to it. That is a good way to sum up a pilsner. I think it's because a pilsner is such a wheat forward type of style that right. it's sort of a starchier, fruity thing. So yes, mm-hmm. here we go. Okay. Classic Pilsner. Um, very easy to drink. Very easy to crush. Um, doesn't taste very strong. Um, light carbonation. Definitely light-bodied and whatnot. I chose the beer for the artwork on the can. It's it's called Ivan Ramen to Beru for a reason. It's got Ivan Ramen on it. Um, 
like I said, this this is beer is very exclusive for one reason and one reason only. Um, our good buddy old pal Ivan Ramen. This beer was specifically made for him. Um, Ivan Ramen, who is well, his 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 name is Ivan Orkin, but Bang! exclamation point. Yes, but I'm going to give that. him a Mike Green because uh, let because he deserves it because he he boy does he. <laughs> Boy, does he. Um, Ivan Orkin, better known as Ivan Ramen, uh, was started as a dishwasher at a sushi bar, fell in love with Japanese culture and Japanese food. He studied Japanese in college. He moved to Japan. He later studied at the Culinary Institute of America. Three years later, he opened up his own ramen bar in Tokyo, and he did so well, his place became one of the top ramen shops in Tokyo. He eventually moved back to the States. He opened up two more ramen shops, and one of which... Stephen and I personally went to, and you remember that dinner because I think about that dinner every time yes, I hear this man's it name. Was, it was very spicy, and I I just want to say was so it was so fucking good. But to be a guy from Brooklyn, which he is, and to become one of the top ramen shops in Tokyo as a Brooklyn native is unheard of. I, the Japanese take their cuisine uh, for serious. And uh, for sure, yeah. So for them to take him seriously as a ramen guy and then for him to... Listen, I get it. It's ramen. But if you're thinking of that stuff you put in the microwave when you were in college or like heated up with like a coffee pot, that is not what he does. <laughs> this man makes magic in a pot and it really is amazing. Um, like I said, he's opened two shops, probably more. I don't even know. He's opened up two shops when he came back to the States. Steven and I went to one of them. Uh, absolutely incredible here in New York City. He produced a book where he gave himself the name Ivan Ramen. He is on Netflix on the show Chef's Table where you can learn more about his life and more about what he did. Uh, the reason this beer exists, uh, he went to visit McKellar's restaurant, which is called Ramen to Beru in Copenhagen. He was showing up as a specialty cook for five days, making five different types of ramen for guests. And then th while he was there, they released the collaborative Ivan Ramen to Beru Pilsner. And like I said, this beer is retired. Can't make it anymore. It's only for him. I picked it up in the shop because of the artwork. I said, hey, I know Ivan Ramen. That's awesome. Now that I'm drinking more of it, I am getting like that lemony biscuity flavor to it. Um, but it's not much. There's not a lot of flavor. So there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you're looking for that, if you're looking to really dive, dig deep, you know, this is just a classic uh, Pilsner that you can, a crushable Pilsner, if you will. Let me tell you something about that beer. You know what that beer would go great with? A ramen. spicy ass bowl of ramen. Because. The ramen, the food is going to have so much flavor that that is the beer you want to like cool off your mouth and like take the 100%. edge off and like not have too much flavor to it. It's really a match made in uh, heaven or in Tokyo and Copenhagen. If uh, shout out to Ivan Ramen, yay! Um, Let's talk about this damn place. Ooh, that is a how much, that is a how much time you got, folks. <laughs> That's a beast of a tale right there. Uh, McKellar Brewing is, okay, so I, I mentioned that they're a bit of a mystery to me, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, they were originally founded on this sort of phantom or gypsy ethos. Um, so this was 2006, and basically the company, the company didn't operate an official brewery. Instead, they collaborated with other brewers to produce their recipes or experimental one-off brews. They didn't really have... It's not the kind of situation where it's like, oh, this guy was a home brewer, and then he started building at this brewery, and then he was brewing... That It wasn't really that kind of situation. Um, it was founded by two dudes. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Mikkel Borg... And, uh, and Christian... Claire up Keller. Okay, that one I can say, but the other guy Mikkel Borg Bjerso. He has I mean he has Maybe. letters in his name Maybe. that don't exist in this language. I don't I've never yeah, seen that symbol I, before. That that is the symbol for that's a math symbol. Um <laughs> which makes sense because but, he was a high school teacher. Okay, listen, here's the deal. His first name is Mikkel. The other guy's last name is Keller. Together they become McKellar. That's all you need to know about them. All right, that 
he was a high school teacher. The other guy was a journalist, um, and they founded the company. They were basically just two homebrewers who were into it, um, but they garnered attention when their beer geek breakfast won the stout category of an international taste test. They had what was a radical idea sort of at the time uh, to incorporate French press coffee into an oatmeal stout. Um, so Incredible. That's, that's when they started getting attention. Keller left the company in 2007, but Mikkel, Mikkel, Michael, oh. Mikkel, he he stuck around and he until he uh, he hung up the uh, he he hung up the chalk he hung up the, the chalk uh, the eraser. He said, "Screw you, kids! You guys can teach yourselves. I'm he going to make." Walked out beer. on his teaching job in 2010. Went full on Walter White in the beer world. I was I was just about <laughs> to say he's basically the the Walter White of the the craft beer world. But without um, you know the really- crime. McKellar is slowly known as the poster child for gypsy breweries worldwide. And that's the idea is basically they make lots of beer per year with an overarching theme or idea, which I'm just going to talk about it very quickly brings us to our next point about the artwork. Um, The artwork is all made by Philadelphia based designer, Keith Shore. Um, He found McKellar beer in his local beer shop. He admired the labels. He reached out to, Mikkel Bejaisor to discuss working together. Um, they they found common ground, and so basically, what what Mikkel did was he said, "Listen, this is the beer I'm going to make. This is what it profiles, and this is how it's going to be. Take the artwork and go make something with it." And so, Shore basically had freedom to make whatever he wanted art wise, and he also named some of the beers that Mikkel was like, "Yeah, I like that name. Let's let's get on it." Um, but it, it goes back to the artwork is all very similar. There's an overarching theme, but every beer, every beer is just different in just a little bit way, but he uses the childlike cartoonish characters and the bold lines. Um, but everything he makes is, uh, in his sketchbook, he makes it online and, uh, then it gets produced, but it's, it's really cool to see that, you know, lots of breweries they have picture here picture there but this guy you know he's got that little that little dude character with the big nose like anytime yeah. you see you know mckeller when you see it that's what's really cool about it it's very distinct artwork um and yeah you definitely know them when you see him it's like and there's something just like weird and trippy about it but it but now that i know mm. the company it, it all makes sense you know yeah um, but yeah they have they have tons of beers some of their beers are year-round but most of the beers are small batch, experimental, limited, and not widely distributed. Uh, they are available in over 50 countries, but they have host facilities in Belgium, in, uh, in Denmark, in the UK, the US, and other places. Um, their first US Everywhere. brewery opened in San Diego in 2016, but they're, they're all over the place, which is why Gabe can find beers in New York, uh, like the Ivan Ramen one, um, that... I cannot get here. You know, we're we're getting two different beers, but they are still very exclusive beers based on where we live, uh, and that's kind of the way McKellar has operated since the beginning, really. And for all you Mets fans out there, McKellar um, Brewery is in City Field. That is kind of what they're known for here in New York City. Um, well, that's not New York City, but you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, these these beers that I'm drinking, the one, the two I'm drinking, are both made. At City Field, so that's wild. There you go, Mets. Listen, we love City Field. Love me some Yankee Stadium. Don't get me wrong, but City Field is a ballpark. Those grilled cheeses. We're still talking mm-hmm. about those. Ooh. Did we go see a Yankee game at City Field? We did. We the went Yankees to see. Routed them. Yeah, but around. I went to City Field. That it was a it was a right, but it was a Yankee game against mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Oh right, in because... City Field because of the hurricane. The hurt. That's what it and was. It yes. was no, so I, I didn't weird. go to that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, you were like, "Who do we root for here?" It was so bizarre because it was just like they they only had the first tier open because the game like they moved the game last minute, kind right, of like yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So it was like they only had the first tier open. The second two tiers were not open, so everyone was packed down on the first level. So it's trippy because you'd like see this packed stadium on the first level, but if you looked up to like two and three, it was just ghost town. It's so weird. We have plenty more to talk about about McKellar, but I do have a problem, which is my glass is empty, so I'd like to get another beer, and then we could just continue this conversation. Same. Let's do that. For my second beer, I have chosen the Staff Magician. Ah. 
abracadabra, motherfuckers. We are drinking a New England-style pale ale. Uh, it is it is a core-range New England-style pale ale brewed with wheat and hopped citra and Hallertau Blanc with uh, what they describe as a medium light body, soft mouthfeel. Um, okay, we'll see about all that. 5.5% uh, ABV, SRM chart. It's pretty light. It's like a 4 to 8, but it definitely is that uh, New England haze, true to style. Oh, yeah, classic. Had about an inch of thick, foamy, white head. Uh, retained for a bit before dissipating. There's still a little bit left in the glass. Um, uh, and... Lacing wise, yeah, there's some, there's some. It's nice, uh, but it's like a nice straw color. Beer Advocate gave it an 87 on the nose. Yep. Okay, so you definitely get what you would expect when you smell it, which is citrus first and foremost. You get the grapefruit, you get the tangerine for sure, but there's uh, tropical citrus going on there as well. Some mango, some peach. And then also some like more subtle fruits come through because that that stuff isn't super overpowering. There's like there's like a little bit of like grape, maybe some some green Syrah apple. grapes, uh, maybe more like Pinot Grigio grapes. <laughs> oh, we're getting fancy. Okay, I'm going in. Can you do a, some? Can you can you do magic tricks? Do you know any? Fuck yeah, I do. I used to be obsessed with. Do magic. you really? When I was a kid, I was obsessed with that stuff. Yes really interesting how's the beer uh it's good it's it's fruity um yeah it's it's more muted than you would expect so when you when i think of a hazy ipa you know sometimes i'm thinking of a juice bomb like juicy juicy citrusy citrusy intense thick um this is lighter than that um you get again those lighter fruits and lighter flavors um there's a little bit of uh all the stuff I said before, peach, grape, maybe some lemon coming through, sweet malt, definitely, uh, and you feel it. Um, you get the hops a little bit on the back end. Again, those uh, Hallertau and Citra hops are in there. Um, the Citra hops, absolutely, like the that bittery, citrusy situation mm. that we've come to know. Which is never bad. Never bad. Um, but that's in there. But it's... it's so it's it's not a super juicy, super citrusy, like juice bomb, but it's also not that very dank, piney, resiny IPA thing. This isn't a mm. New England IPA. It's, it's a New England pale ale. So, so it's, it's, so it's like kind of in the middle. Yes, it's in the middle and it's 5.5% ABV. So it's again, similar to the other one I was drinking. It's, it's very drinkable. It's, uh, you know, sessionable in that way. It's the kind mm. of, it's definitely a summer option. Um, one you would want to, you know, you could sit out on your porch drinking for a while. Um, yeah, I would say just about everything about this beer is like, yeah, it goes there. Like it's not, it's mm, not a hundred percent anything. It's all like very balanced, which I feel like is what they were going for. It's not a hundred percent of anything. It's it's like a little bit percent of everything. Yeah, it's like a it's a it's a super balanced blending of different things. Um, they describe it as noting crisp white grape and delicate stone fruits, balanced bitterness, clean finish, lasting tropical impression. Impression. Yeah, I would call it clean, crisp. The back end leaves you with some lingering citrus that makes you want to go for another sip. Yeah, it's a summer sipper. It's a summer sipper. It's good. I feel like I can picture you drinking this beer like while you're sitting on the diving board and everyone's like, get in. And you're like, hold on, let me finish my beer. And then you do like a front flip into the pool. Am I wrong? I, I often sit on the diving board. I like to hey. climb the ladder and just sit on the end of it. Oh, there's a ladder. Okay. I well, when you say diving board, I mean, I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm thinking like a pool at like a friend's house and they're not that rich. Oh, I go to USC. You're thinking like a, com he's thinking like a community pool with all his peers. I go no. to USC. You should see our diving boards. <laughs> I've got a complete 180 to my first one. This is the workman's friend Porter. This is an American Porter coming at 6.5% ABV. SRM scale. This is, uh, this is a porter. 
I'm going to say it's a 39 to or a 40. It's very dark, jet black beer. Um, very nice head retention. I poured it like a couple minutes ago, and the head hasn't budged, which is really awesome. Definitely some lacing and stickiness to the side of the glass. Um, I did a little bit of research about this beer. Beer Advocate. Guess what Beer Advocate scored it, Steven? Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Why did they score it? Nothing because it doesn't exist on Beer Advocate. It doesn't you're, exist anywhere. You're really flying solo with this. <laughs> this I am flying absolute solo with it. Well, Untapped came in came in handy. They gave it a three point seven four. Um, but uh, yeah, I was unable to find a lot of stuff online, which is fine. So uh, I'm just gonna give it the old college try and see what happens on the nose. Yeah, I got the classic. Uh, it, it's wow it. Wow, it smells like a Guinness. It, it I mean, it kind of looks like one because of the color, but it, it smells like it, it's got a hint of Guinness to it. Smoky. Yeah, a little bit of smokiness. Very interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in for a gulp. It, it, it's hard. It's hard to describe. It's it's not a Guinness at all, but I'm not tasting like chocolate or coffee i'm tasting i'm tasting like like the burnt malts not burnt but you know what i mean roasted, like the yeah, the, yeah. the dark, ro- that's what yeah. I'm, that's the word i'm thinking of roasted malts you would taste in any sort of dark beer like this like mm-hmm. that's what i'm getting i'm not getting you know flavor i'm getting texture if that makes any sense it does i mean i think a porter in as a style is a more muted flavor, maybe uh, more yeah. smokier. You know, it's not when we think of stouts, we can think of, you know, the founder's breakfast stout. We can think of coffee stouts, chocolate mm. stouts. I mean, there's a, a huge range there, but when you think of a porter, it is a little bit more, uh, it's a cleaner style to me. It's, yeah, I feel like it's more on the beer and less on what goes into it. Mm hmm. And what's funny is I did read one review on Untapped that said, I don't taste anything. It just tastes like a dark beer, which I I can can kind of confirm. Yeah, it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, just a, just a classic porter taste. Um, roasted malts are very, very forward. Um, the head, it's interesting. It's I wouldn't describe the beer as creamy, but the head definitely provides an element of that. Mm. Um, definitely full bodied, um, I would say medium carbonation. Um, see, here we go. Yeah. Now it's really, it's the lacing is, uh, although it is sticking to the glass, it is running down very quickly. Um, and yeah, the head is, the head retention is absolutely there, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a dark beer and this is one of those, you know, I feel like you kind of have to be in the mood for. It's just interesting to me cause it's like brand new. Like I think they debuted yeah. that beer in like November, December or something. Like I'm I'm not sure of that because it was very hard to find information about that beer. But I don't uh, I don't even my notes literally said smoky light porter. Yep, that's all I had. So I said, hey, I'm just gonna dive in. But you know what I love is that I feel like between the two of us and the four beers we've sampled here, we've really given a range. Have we convinced you yet that McKellar has something for you? They have Sours, they have Pilsners, they have New Englands, they have Porters, and so much more. They have a barrel-aged beer that they made with uh, Chardonnay barrels that they call their Nelson Sauvignon. They're using wine barrels to barrel the beer. We're, We're mostly on the whiskey and bourbon train and whatnot. These guys have those Chardonnay. You said barrels and I moved to the soundboard immediately. (laughs) Uh, McKellar, okay, I I found this quote about um, how they operate. And they said, you know, they're first and foremost a world of beer showcasing all possible styles and ingredients. Uh, But it's, it's a universe whose endless possibilities include hops, malt, barrel aging, spontaneous fermentation, licorice, coffee, passion fruit, cherries, chili, chocolate, and more. But it doesn't stop there. They also operate bars and restaurants around the world. They host an internationally renowned beer festival. They have a running club with 250 chapters worldwide. We'll get into that in a hot sec. And they also are involved in a myriad of fun projects and collaborations with uh, innovative people. Um, 
they're just they, doing they it just, all, man. Yeah, they they McKellar literally said as long as it's creative and as long as we can kind of keep who we are and keep the beer alive, it's beer forward, but they do everything and anything. They do they I mean they're involved with uh Phantom Spirits and they they uh work with a distillery. They're making wine. They actually make wine at McKellar. They make coffee. Uh, they have the restaurants that they operate and then they have this running club and they also um, have Final Gravity, which is a clothing line. So they have a line of active wear going they on. They can do your taxes too. They, they can, yeah. Federal I mean, and state. <laughs> uh, they are uh, just this amazing gypsy operation that is all over the place, which is exactly why when I see McKellar, I'm like, I feel like they're imported, like maybe they're international, but I thought they were brewed in San Diego, but are they brewed in New York? Well, now we know why, because it's all of the above. It's all of the above, Denmark being kind of the home base, but yeah, I mean, I got my beers from the city field location. You got your beers, uh, I would assume, from the San Diego location. Yes, Uh, and here's the great news. Um, If you're in New York, you can have their beer shipped across the entire state from their New York location. They ship to all of New York State. You can get their beer shipped from San Diego to, I believe, the whole country. Um, definitely all of California, but I believe uh, more states out of there. Um, they'll ship to you uh, what they have, and they have a whole bunch of selections for you to choose from, including the ones I'm drinking now, um, as well as a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. Um, that I mean, they have they have 500 mil bottles of like really interesting stuff. They have their Guava Gang. They have a Zonked, which I think is a Maybe a juicy IPA. They have bundles. I mean, you can take a look at their website. If you go to uh, yeah. com. you can take a look at what you can have shipped to you. They've the New got York this ultimate bundle where it's just, it's, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six. It's, it's like 18 beers all in one. It's, it's really awesome. And then they also have their, uh, their beer clubs. They have a Viking club. Um, that you can join and get exclusive beers shipped to you on the reg. Um, you can get, uh, and they have different tiers of that. A one-year membership for tier one, I think, is like $250, and you can get all kinds of stuff, 15% discounts on beers. You can get exclusive merchandise. You can get exclusive bottles. You can get uh, crowlers. You can get, I mean, the list is is there for you to review, and then it, it moves up from there, you know, from tier one on up. I want to uh, be a Viking. Do you get helmets? The Viking helmet? You get and a horn of ale. Um, there we but go. they're sending out stuff like their double barrel aged ras- raspberry tripper bocker, tripper bocker, and their uh, imperial stout aged in Madeira barrels. So their maple bourbon Madeira. barrel aged imperial. Wait, clear, clear the floor, clear the floor. <clears throat> they're shipping out their maple bourbon barrel aged imperial stout with maple syrup and coffee. Michael, Bang! exclamation point. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> so the options are there, and uh, McKellar is a great company with a whole lot going on. They also have tap rooms um, in San Diego and uh, and elsewhere. Um, and if you go to a ball game at City Field, they're right there. So right no there. need to go in. And they have – it's not just like you grab a beer and you leave. They have like a little – it's kind of like a little beer bar. Like they have a whole setup, so you can if you if you know if you're like, yeah, I came here for the experience. I don't know what baseball is. You can go hang out at the beer store, beer shop, and just kind of kick it with the with the beer connoisseurs, if you will. And the great news is, if we haven't driven this point home yet, if wherever you're drinking their beer, you're probably most likely drinking stuff that was brewed because their whole thing was they didn't want to open a brewery in the United States for a while, but they didn't like right. that they were shipping their beer here since the beginning. And they didn't like that they would come over here and the beer they were drinking here wasn't the freshest because it had been shipped across overseas and had to get here. And so, it, you know, it took over right. time. So they just needed a local option. So wherever beer you're drinking, if you're drinking McKellar, whether it's on tap in a bar or out of a can that you get at your local store, you're probably drinking something that was brewed locally to you in one of their satellite breweries. Oh, and they it, have it's... they have a running club. I I kind of touched on that, but they like they they you can you can join them and 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 run with them. And yes, McKell was uh, before he became a brewer was a like world class 
competitive runner. And so now they have a running club and they're in just so many locations, they have so many 250 countries. chapters. And unbelievable. You can uh, join them, sign up, get their newsletter, run with them, and then grab a beer at the end of your run, which is required. Kind of mandatory at this point. Gabe, did you watch the draft? Steven, of course I watched the draft. All right, we're 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 here's the deal. We're we're going to talk about this for a couple minutes. We're going to keep it short. We're going to talk about this. We we're like talk to end about the episode on a fun topic per usual, and there were just so many things. This was the first ever virtual draft, and first off, Tom Brady walking into a stranger's yeah. house. How? He was looking for his new offensive coordinator. Apparently, he walked in. And he, the guy who he thought was the offensive coordinator, he was like, "What's up, man?" And the dude who's the homeowner was just like, "Hey, like, what can I help you with?" And he was like, "Oh, am I in the wrong house?" And then just left. He was like, "I'm so sorry," and just like bounced. <laughs> so that's how things started. Can you imagine if somebody broke into your house and you were like, "Is that is that Tom Brady? Is that Tom Brady? What's up? Man? I'd be <laughs> like, you want a beer? Like, what's up? Let's hang." Yeah, the draft was. Uh, I I fucking loved it. If I'm being very I, honest, it was cool. Like, it was cool. I, I've never been able to pay attention to the draft before, and I I got to give a shout out to the people at ESPN. They pulled off what I would consider to be a broadcasting feat, unlike anything I've ever seen before. To have camera crews in that many places and have yeah. you know live streams going on from all those coaches and general managers and players' homes and be able to pull that off with the analysts and that was impressive. Impressive, I gotta say. I just don't understand why it took so long in the beginning. Like the the Cincinnati Bengals at the first pick, they they told Joe Burrow they were taking him. They sent him and his family jerseys. They've already talked and shared photos. It's literally like the Bengals pick is in and the analysts were still talking. It's like, "Hey, can you make like can we pick him up? Like what are we doing here?" The Chargers had the 6th pick. And the draft started at eight. I think we picked by like nine oh five. I was like, "What are we doing here?" I mean, and we're not we're not gonna get into the Packers the Packers picks because how many wide receivers were taken in the twenty twenty draft? You mean total? Total or by the Packers? <laughs> total, total. I don't know. Thirty six. Okay. How many were taken by the Packers? None. Zero. Yeah, I don't. I don't. What are y'all underst- doing? Listen, just look at look at uh, Matt Lafleur's face and tell me he doesn't have a look in his eye that you just feel like he has a plan you don't get. He's got a Sean McVay thing going on, and I'm I, you here know I'm here go. for it. Yeah, That's here not the go. point. The point is if number one, if you haven't seen this, um, I don't know how to put this. I don't know how to put this nicely, but but just do it. Mike Rabel's son uh, took a shit on national television, and, <laughs> and he that claims is, it. He claims he wasn't, but like that is not a euphemism. Yeah, I mean, clearly, you could, you could say whatever you want. Of course, he's going to say he wasn't. But there's a guy squatting, wearing what appears to be no pants in what I can only perceive as a bathroom. So, uh, it the the hilarious thing is he had such a great setup. He had. The Titans behind him. He's got dudes in. Oh, I don't know if these are cutouts or if these are real people. I couldn't really tell. Cutouts. But everyone's dressed up behind him, and then it's the, a but party. Then, but then there's just one glaring reflection in the window of a a clearly lit bathroom. <laughs> His degenerate son was like, "Screw you, Dad." I like, mean, I'm I- shit on your campaign, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I loved being able to see inside all these people's homes, though. I got to be honest; like everyone's setup was so yeah. funny the to best, me. The best was the San Francisco. Um, I think it was the offensive coordinator or the GM, but he because it got to the point where it was like, okay, we're in our homes. But then, as the draft started going on, all these GMs and head coaches were trying to like really show off their homes and how rich they were. So I don't know. I think it was the GM of the San Francisco 49ers, but he showed like his house and how modernized and how rich he is. And players from around the league were reacting on Twitter being like, damn, like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, this is awesome. Like they were going off about Jerry it. Jerry Jones was on a yacht and his couch was bigger than my whole apartment <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> 
Atta boy, Jerry. I mean, when I the thing is that I didn't know he was on a yacht, and so when I he saw had... when I saw the shot, I thought that's a great couch. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then they said he was on a boat, and I was like, with that what? couch. How? He had to flex How? on everybody. He had to flex on everybody. He's and Jerry Jones. Speaking of flexing, Sean McVay's table. I, I mean, I actually didn't see it. What's it look like? It's it looks heavy. Is what it looks like. It looks oh, very geez. heavy. It looks like a table yeah. fit for like you know when they have those meetings in Game of Thrones where like all the important people get. Yeah. I forget what it's called. Where like the uh, the hand of the king like is a, there. The, right. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Whatever big, the council. That's what that table is fit for. It's just like a giant table that you can't move made of like a full tree. And That's awesome. These heavy ass chairs. That's where they him. had Thanksgiving dinner. And he's just alone at the table, but of course he's not at the head of the table. He's one chair to the right, like sitting on the wide side for no reason, just to... <laughs> Damn it, Sean. <laughs> What's John... crazy? Another thing that was crazy was that like all of the GMs and coaches had like their kids in the shot. Yeah, especially and they're John all Gruden. like they're the John Gruden. They're all like wearing the team's stuff, and it there was a there was this like both sides. It was like. They were really young and they didn't know what to do, so they just stood there awkwardly. Or yeah, like you mentioned, John Gruden's sons, who look like bodyguards, <laughs> brick shit houses, yeah. could play in the NFL themselves. They were why I just didn't understand why they were flanking him with their arms, like they were flanking him, hands folded. They looked like bodyguards. I'm just like they were. They not, were like, oh, we're gonna be on camera. Oh, all right, here we they go. They didn't look like they were Time having fun. They just looked like. They're like they're the same height. It just looked they looked like bodyguards. There's no other way to Did put that. Did you see um the first round, the wide receiver who went to the Cowboys? I think his name is C D. That's his first name. It's this is like a viral thing, and of course, if you all know about it, we apologize. But his his girlfriend was sitting next to him and she he had like two phones. She took one of his cell phones out of his hand and like a millisecond later he just like grabbed it back from her. Like, he wouldn't let her look at it, and it, like, went all around ESPN, and they were like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, he don't want her looking at his phone? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> like, there was so many moments like that. There was one player who got drafted the first round. He got drafted by the Titans. Um, his girlfriend, like, sat on his lap, and literally in the shot, you could see the player's mother being like, get out. Get <laughs> out of the shot. I need to be with my son. And she had to get up and walk away. Yeah, I saw a few moments. I mean, I, I don't know about that, but I saw I, I saw some moments where just like you know, you could tell it's like the aunt is in the shot, like just wanted to be with the son, and you've got like the brother is like, "Hey, get out of it! The, they want to see him. Get out of the shot!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, your whole living room is on national television. Everyone's. I mean, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Like, as fun as it would be for those kids to sail their boats across the fountains of the Bellagio. I think they should keep the gra- draft like this. I th- I had a blast. It was... It, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. I mean, I watched I, rounds three, four. I tuned out by like five, but I mean... Yeah. I watched rounds I would never watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like after round one, it's like, all right. Because even like the social media posts are like, oh yeah, this person, they, they took him, you know. I mean... But by the time they get to the later rounds, they even stop really like announcing it. Like the 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 analysts are talking about one player, and then like three picks have happened, and they're like, "Okay, so the Dolphins took this guy, the Panthers yeah. took that guy, and the Redskins took that guy." Anyway, moving on, it's like holy crap. So I mean, but I always really love to see the classic like they announce the player's name and then everyone the fam like the 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 kid is like crying and the player the family's just like hugging him like i, I it really is in a way it was it was just wild cuz it's like you know I, I mean a lot of those players had a lot of people in their house but like joe burrow it was him and mom and dad and he was, was sitting it. on that's the couch and that's it and then he he was the number one draft pick and he ate wings and he did a lot of interviews and that was it. He literally had the Bengals hat in his hand ready to put it on his head. And he just had to wait for the confirmation from oh, yeah. Goodell. Speaking of which, Goodell, homeboy needs some acting lessons. <laughs> Him reading those cue cards was painful. He just, he doesn't talk. I just We appreciate it. everyone at the NFL experience. <laughs> Without you, we can't do what we do. 
<laughs> Yay! Like that's what it was. It was it horrible. Just, it was awkward to me because every time they would cut to him, he'd be yelling at the screen behind him. But in what I felt was an aggressive <laughs> manner. <laughs> every time they would cut to him, he'd be looking at the screen like, "Come on! I thought you were Bengals fans. Let's go!" And then he turned <laughs> yeah. around and be like, "What the." 20th pick in the, I mean every time he's he would like cut back going to, off about the fans they're all just like dude he's like, like we, they what? cut to him again he's like come on Baltimore you've been waiting all night for this alright uh, <laughs> yeah, <with> the, yeah. <laughs> and they're like we're on zoom yeah they're like we. the reception's a second off like what are we gonna do uh all right, we got to go. We could talk about this all night, but um, thank you guys for uh, for hanging out with us for another round of drinking. Check out McKellar yes. Brewing. Um, Google Mike Vrabel's son during the draft. You tell us if you think he was taking a shit. You, taking I, a I, shit or not, yeah. <laughs> I think he was. Please follow, uh, follow the show. Follow us on the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Again, I say it every week. If you... Just if you if you do those little clicks on Apple Podcasts, it helps the show more than you think it does. And it takes like nothing out of your day to do it. Tell us what you want us to drink. We are here for you. We will drink your choices. With that, round 18 is a wrap. We are out of here. Thank you, guys. Cheers.